0: Hi, my name is Caitlin.
1: And I'm Hannah.
0: And welcome to Cocktails and Cold Cases. So we are just two best friends living our lives in our early 20s and trying to figure everything out as we go. But one thing that's always been a constant with us since high school when we first met was our love of true crime. So this is our way of doing that, just for fun. Maybe some other people will think it's cool and interesting, but definitely something that interests the both of us so Hannah do you want to talk a little bit about how we met
1: (laughs) so we met in high school it was our senior year and we were in a leadership class I believe and somehow it came up like where I lived and we discovered that she lives well lived right around the corner from me And from there, our friendship just kind of, like, blossomed.
0: Yeah, I didn't have my license at all in high school, so I started asking Hannah if she'd want to drive me home after we got to know each other a little bit, and I'd start walking around the block to go to her house and see her, and then soon enough, she couldn't get rid of me. (laughs) I remember I barely knew her, and... I actually locked myself out of my house one day when my grandparents drove me home because they would pick me up once a week just to see me and say hi and take me home. And I walked around the block and her mom ended up being home. And I was like, oh, is Hannah here? And she said no. And I told her that I was just hoping she would be because I was locked out of my house. My parents would not be home for another hour or so. And she's like, oh, come on in. And I remember I sent her a picture of me playing with her dogs. And I'm like, hey, I'm at your house. And she's like, what?
1: I totally forgot about that.
0: I did too until I don't know why. I was just thinking of it. Like just talking about how we met in high school brought it up. (laughs) We were such babies. And then uh, last year, Hannah decided to leave me. She decided she hated me and she moved from her childhood home, uh, really two hours south of where I still live. Um, I just got my first apartment. I'm out of college and everything, but to save myself money, I lived really close to where I went to school, so I just stayed at home and stayed with friends on campus. But, yeah, so we're doing this podcast from a distance, so. It will be interesting. Yeah. Hannah and I have been getting really excited for me to go see her soon because my goal is to see her like once every other week at the very least because I really want to try and record as much as I can with her in person sometimes just schedules won't work out she's in nursing school and I work full-time so next time we record I might be down there with you maybe we'll do it the night before um I guess the night of your birthday
1: oh god I'm getting so old
0: But to start our show off, we're going to talk a little bit about the cocktail we made, which is really our own concoction of I don't (laughs) even know. (laughs) Um, So we were supposed to make lava flow cocktails, is what they were called. They were delicious sounding to me and they looked delicious in the picture. So they had frozen strawberries, some pineapple garnish. It looked like a frozen lemonade mixed with a frozen strawberry almost is essentially what it was. And I went to go try this with Hannah in person. I went down to see her. And after finding some coconut rum for the recipe, (laughs) it was 9 p.m. And we went to grocery stores around where she lived. And, of course, they were all closed because everything closes early since covid is awful in here and we made our own modified version (laughs) (laughs) but it looks absolutely nothing like we were supposed to make if you want to see what we made versus what we were trying to make you can go check out our facebook and instagram uh pages cocktails and cold cases um to see and it's pretty amusing because like i said one was kind of like a red and then it's mixed with a lemonade color yellowish type of thing and the best we could find was at Target. And they apparently didn't have fresh produce like they do in my hometown, where, where Hannah lives. So all we could find was pineapple mango juice to mix with it. So it's orange. <laughs> that, that's what we made. And we used popsicles in it, too. Yes, we used popsicles. I forgot about that. We used strawberry popsicles, didn't we? Or were they orange? I. <laughs> Mm, I
1: think they were orange. We'll try to be more prepared next
0: time. (laughs) I've already started looking up, um, like, other cocktails for us to make. So we can try and get them, like, a week ahead. Watch, then everything will be spoiled with our luck. Right? It's okay. (laughs) It's fine. So, for today, Hannah and I... Um, are going to talk about the icebox murders that happened in Houston, Texas. So it's a really cool case, and there are some crazy conspiracy theories to go along with it. Just a disclaimer these are not our opinions and views, these are just the facts about people and facts of the case that we found in um, our research for this episode and these icebox murders. And the um, conspiracy theories are not our views at all those are from uh conspiracy theorists around the world what they think happened so none of this is fact none of this is our opinion it's all just pure research we did so i will start off by talking a little bit about the case on june 23rd 1965 police officers responded to a welfare check for fred and edwina rogers after edwina's nephew had failed to hear from her for several days Two Houston police officers arrived at their home in Houston, Texas before knocking on the front door and then kicking it in when they received no response. The house was empty and cold food was sitting on the table. The officers decided to check the fridge on their way out. Charles Bullock, one of the patrolmen on the scene, was quoted as saying, I opened up the refrigerator and saw nothing but meat stacked in it. My partner standing next to me made the comment that it looked like somebody had butchered a hog. We didn't know it was a body until we were ready to close the refrigerator and we could see the head down in the bottom of the vegetable bin. Investigators later concluded that Edwina had been shot in the head and Fred had been beaten to death with a hammer. They were then dragged into the master bedroom, drained of their blood, chopped into pieces, and placed in their refrigerator. By the next morning, however, police had a suspect as to who committed the murders. The suspect was in fact the couple's own son, Charles Rogers. He was a 43-year-old recluse who only communicated with his parents by slipping notes under his bedroom door, and he was rarely ever seen by neighbors. The house had been cleaned, but blood was discovered on a keyhole of the bedroom door, and Charles himself had vacated the home. While a nationwide manhunt took place for Charles, he was never seen or heard from again. He was declared legally dead in 1975, and the case has remained open since. So there are a few conspiracy theories as to what happened, why this happened, and really why Charles did it. So I'll let Hannah talk to you about that, but they're really cool. So in
1: 1997, Hugh and Martha Gardiner began to investigate the murders known as the Icebox murders. They also believe that Charles committed the crimes. The couple believes that Charles was physically and emotionally abused by his parents well into adulthood. Towards the end of their lives, Fred and Edwina were defrauding Charles by forging his signatures on deeds of land that he owned. Charles had owned the house that the family had lived in, not Edwina and Fred. Edwina also had apparently taken out loans on the house and pocketed that money. The theory says that Charles escaped to Central America where he died. However, this is only a theory.
0: Can you imagine if your parents just stole from you like that and I guess, mentally abused you like that? Just controlling your finances and making everything about them for them? Stealing all that money?
1: No, that would be absolutely horrible. Although I don't think I would ever have enough money for my parents to actually want to try to steal from me. But,
0: (laughs) story for a different day. (laughs) Same here. Like, I have student loans. Please, go ahead. Get some stuff in my name my right. student loans, and then you can take whatever money's left over.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. All two cents. <laughs> so there's also another theory that suggests a motive to the brutal killings is that Charles is a prime suspect in the assassination of John F. Kennedy in November of 1963. In Charles's early years, he was a seismologist and a pilot. He had a Bachelor of Science degree in nuclear physics from the University of Houston, and he spoke seven different languages. He served in the Office of Naval Intelligence during World War II and spent nine years with Shell Oil as a seismologist before quitting his job without explanation in 1957. Charles was a member of the Civil Air Patrol where he met David Ferry, who was also Lee Harvey Oswald's flight instructor in the same organization. Ferry would later be named as a conspirator in the JFK assassination. Conspiracy researchers say that Charles Rogers was a CIA agent who is one of the shooters alleged to have fired in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It is assumed that Rogers is one of the three tramps which are three men photographed leaving the scene of the JFK assassination with police officers. Researchers claim that this is the motive for Charles to kill his parents. Since Edwina and Fred were so abusive towards Charles, it is theorized that they even tracked his phone calls. Upon tracking his phone calls, they may have known too much regarding the JFK assassination and Charles's possible involvement. We never will know for certain who killed Fred and Edwina Rogers.
0: So just a couple things for anyone who may have some questions about that, because I definitely did. I had to do research for a couple of words and people in there. Like Lee Harvey Oswald was one of the men who's been accused of shooting John F. Kennedy um, and the assassination of the president. So that's why he's kind of relevant to the story too and why David Ferry, knowing him is relevant and um, him, Charles and David all being connected is important. And then a seismologist, because if you're like me, you know some big words, but not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Seismologists are scientists who study earthquakes and other things that happen on the planet, as well as their effects, such as like tsunamis. So that's what he was doing for Shell Oil and the government, which is pretty interesting. I think it's really interesting how these cases, I guess, like the assassination of JFK, seems completely unrelated different year different part of texas than these icebox murders but it's really interesting to see how conspiracy theorists have tied it together um i mean anything's possible honestly so could be it but i don't know what are your thoughts hannah that is really
1: really interesting to think about it's also kind of terrifying that two completely different things can happen and be related, and nobody has no clue how or why this actually happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like the um, pizza bomber in Erie. At first, there were different incidents, and they're like, how are these connected? Like, we know somehow they are, but they didn't know how. Right. Um, for any of you who may not be from Pennsylvania, I feel like most people... In the area, general area of Pennsylvania, I've heard this. Um, in Erie, PA, there was a pizza bomber case, which we won't be covering because it's a closed case. But it was really interesting and there were a bunch of different components to it. So feel free to look that up if you're really craving some wacky true crime, trying to connect the dots. <laughs> There's even a show on Netflix about it.
1: Fun fact, that actually happened on like my sixth or seventh birthday.
0: Oh yeah, that would've August two thousand three. So mm-hmm. that would have been your seventh. Mhm. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for anyone who's listened this far, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Um, if you go to our Instagram or Facebook page or Twitter page, um, just cocktails and cold cases again. You can feel free to send us a message if you have any crazy true crime story of your own or if you have any fun suggestions for us to do in the future, anything crazy like this where it's related possibly to a presidential assassination. Who knows? The sources we used were Houstonia Magazine's website, Texas Hill Country's website, and All Things Interesting. All Things Interesting in general has amazing true crime stuff, not just cold cases, but true crime in general. So. ever again craving some interesting interesting case can go to all things interesting not sponsored by the way (laughs) yeah not sponsored I'm just a big fan that's a website another podcast I've listened to for a good couple years uses so when I first was like looking up bizarre cold cases and I was like what website is this it has some general information about like the top 10 list or whatever it was it's like all things interesting I know them and I was super excited I was so geeky. But check back with us Sunday, September 6th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode and to hear about another crazy cold case and to see us epically, epically fail and butcher with another cocktail. Or maybe it'll be good. Thank you for listening to Cocktails and Cold Cases. See you soon.